It's after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
میشه با یه رنگالوس دیام دیام سوارگیلو آره همانو میشه با یه رنگالوس میام میام سوارگیلو همانو میشه با یه رنگالوس میام میام سوارگیلو به هو به هو یولی خیلی Ich 
הטנקים הישראלים עומדים בפתח, בפתח העיר העתיקה ו... קדימה, בתוך שער האריות מרגע זה, אני יורד במדרגות אל הכותל, אינני אדם דתי, מעולם לא הייתי, אבל זהו הכותל, ואני נוגע באבני הכותל Beautiful 
are alight, burning brighter than the candles in front of the wall. She stood there in black. Please forgive me. I will not write and settle today. For what he and I just gave to the cocktail is greater than words that I pray. To the best soldiers in the world.
Brand new from Yaakov Shweki and a song that has uh, really, really touched the hearts of so many since it was released and since it was recorded back at the uh, live concert at Nokia Stadium in Israel. It's called Misha Beirach, brand new double CD from Yaakov Shweki live in Nokia. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. Good morning all. Final day of May 2013. May 31st, the 22nd day in the month of Sivan, before Yaakov Shweki, you heard Dudu Fisher with Hakotel. Shlemi Daskal off of Dance with Daskal, and Regesh Modani opening things up, as we say, good morning. Candle lighting at 8.01, officially on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach. Candle lighting at uh, 8.01, many synagogues begin earlier, make sure you know when things start where you are. want to wish a special Mazel Tov. To Moshe Menashe Saflis, whose bar mitzvah is this coming Shabbos. And an extra special mazel tov to Esther and Rabbi Yitzchak Saflis of Brooklyn, New York. Many of you know Yitzchak Saflis from Bottom Line Marketing Group. We wish the entire Saflis family a very special mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Well, we've been concentrating a lot on what's happening over the next couple of days, especially on jmintheam.org with the big parade show that's coming up on Sunday and so much more. We've uh, we've neglected to concentrate on the fact that on Monday, the Chevra, the brand new selections from the Chevra, will be debuted on this great radio broadcast. Ellie Gerstner will introduce the brand new Chevra CD album to us in the eight o'clock hour. So make sure to be tuned in Monday as we have a uh, a live new music alert, or I should say, yeah, new music alert Monday for this coming Monday right here. At JM in the AM. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be next Shabbos and Sunday. 74 degrees, 73% humidity. Winds are south at 5 miles an hour. Mostly sunny today with a high temperature of 89. Then tonight, partly cloudy, low 69. Partly cloudy for tomorrow, a high Shabbos. We've got uh, 87 degrees. All right. By the way, Sunday weather. Parade, concert, big day in general to celebrate Israel. Partly cloudy in 81. That's good news. Yerushalayim now at 82. Tel Aviv at 71. Haifa at 82. A lot at 102. We're at 74 here at JM in the AM in Jersey City, New Jersey. Plenty going on this morning, including, of course, uh, Malcolm Holmline with the weekly update. Or Yudin is coming up with the Torah portion. Naomi Nachman between 9 and 10 this morning with Table for Two. An amazing Music stream of Erev Shabbos selections all the way from 10 a.m. until candle lighting. Brought to you by our wonderful friends at Kedem. That is happening today, of course, all the way until candle lighting time. Uh, great programming over the weekend, including our parade show. And a big thank you to our friends at J Drugs, Ronnie and Larry Birnbaum. Everybody at J Drugs who are celebrating Israel with us and presenting our show this coming Sunday on the stream, live from Fifth Avenue, under the direction of Miriam L. Wallach and Mark Zamek. And a big thank you to um, Petopia, who are also involved in our show. Petopia in Midtown, uh, a great um, pita, falafel, etc. Uh, type of restaurant. They are uh, also part of our Sunday broadcast. And from what I am told, on Sunday, they are uh, presenting a falafel eating contest as part of the Celebrate Israel Day. How do you like that? <laughs> JM in the AM at 25 minutes before 7 o'clock. Here's Avram Freed.
Simcha Liner with a selection entitled Birchas Habanim here at JM in the AM. Before that, Schlockrock, Shabbat in Liverpool. Tzormi Shalom, Lipa, who's going to be headlining with Idan on Sunday at the big uh, Israel Day concert in Central Park at the Band Shell. Remember, it's not at the summer stage, at the Band Shell right uh, nearby. Uh, that's Lipa with Leap of Faith and uh, Vidab Kenu. You heard Eitan Katz with Gale and, of course, Avram Fried. Hello, Kai, to open up that set. Minute before 7 o'clock, Friday, Erev Shabbos, Parsha Shlach. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Mostly sunny, high 89, looks like a good weekend. Don't forget, Matis presents JM Sunday this coming Sunday morning between 7 and 9 Eastern Time on our stream at jmnam.org. Rummy with Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night beginning at 10 p.m. on our stream. Great program every single weekend, plus a bonus this time around after Matis finishes JM Sunday. We'll continue with parade programming and finally do a parade show from Fifth Avenue. I shouldn't say finally, we've done it before. Under the leadership of Mark Zamek and Miriam L. Wallach, starting at 11.30 Eastern Time on 5th Avenue and 67th Street. Very much looking forward to it. Big thank you to our friends at J Drugs, Ronnie and Larry Birnbaum. Big thank you to our friends at Petopia, who have the big falafel bowl eating contest on Sunday. Lots of folks who are uh, very involved in Sunday's big celebration. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JMNA. כלי צהר שעה שתיים כאן הרגה שילוני עם מה שקורה עכשיו. מוסקבה מתעקשת, לא רק שנעביר לאסד את מערכת ה-S-300, נמכור לו גם עשרה מטוסי קרב חדשים. כתבנו יונתן רול. יועצו של נשיא רוסיה פוטין למדיניות חוץ, יורי אושקוב, אומר כי רוסיה תעביר לסוריה את טילי הנ"מ ואת מטוסי הקרב כפי שהתחייבה, על אף הביקורת במערב. הוא חזר על עמדת מוסקבה כי החלטת האיחוד האירופי השבוע לאפשר העברת נשק למורדים תפגע בתוכניות תהליך השלום בסוריה. הבוקר אמר מנכ"ל חברת מיג הרוסית שהיא מתכוונת לספק לדמשק עשרה מטוסי קרב חדשים. תשעה צוותי כיבוי מנסים בשעה זו להשתלט על שרפה ביישוב בית זית ליד ירושלים. כתבנו יותם ברגר מוסר שמספר בתים ביישוב פונו. איש לא נפגע. 
שיא חדש בשיעור האבטלה באירופה, כתבתנו יובל אקרמן. אחוז האבטלה טיפס בעשירית האחוז ל-12 אחוזים ושתי עשיריות. קרוב ל-100 אלף בני אדם הצטרפו למעגל האבטלה ב-17 מדינות הגוש במהלך חודש אפריל, וסך הבלתי מועסקים מתקרב ל-20 מיליון בני אדם. בכלכלה החזקה באירופה, גרמניה, שיעור האבטלה נותר ללא שינוי, על 5 אחוזים ו-4 עשיריות. בספרד, לעומת זאת, נרשם האחוז הגבוה ביותר של מובטלים, ופחות מ-26 אחוזים, ו-8 עשיריות האחוז. במסחר במטבע חוץ הדולר התחזק מעט ושערו היציג נקבע על שלושה שקלים, שישים ושמונה אגורות ושלוש עשיריות האגורה. כתבתנו יונה לייבזון מוסרת שהאירו עלה בכ-4 עשיריות האחוז ומחירו 4 שקלים, שבעים ותשע אגורות ותשע עשיריות האגורה. מזג האוויר בסוף השבוע חם אבל נוח יחסית, ביום ראשון צפוי שרב. אלה החדשות שעורך אילי לוין.
J.M. in the A.M. How could we possibly have played and featured any other chazin than the great Yesela Rosenblatt with this amazing event going on Sunday night in Borough Park, Brooklyn? Simple as that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Sunday night is the 80th yard site of the great Cantor Yesela Rosenblatt, and... Um, they will be uh, commemorating it with five amazing chazanim and a great choir at the Sparta Shashul on the 14th Avenue in Borough Park this coming Sunday night at 8.15. All the information, kingofcantors.org. I still can't get over that. Kingofcantors.org. That is a web address to have, let me tell you. Kingofcantors.org. That will get you all the information regarding the uh, concert this coming Sunday night. Full schedule for us over the weekend, to say the least. Um, Matis hosts JM Sunday on Sunday morning after Avrami has hosted Saturday Night Seagull on the Saturday night. And uh, then it's parade mode, as Mark Zamek and Miriam L. Wallach uh, will host the program from the parade this coming Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Until two o'clock, Fifth Avenue and and Sixty uh, Seventh Street. Want to thank our friends at J Drugs, Ronnie and Larry Birnbaum, who again are presenting our parade show because they don't only support Israel and salute Israel; they celebrate Israel, and I thank them. Can't wait to see them on Sunday. And a big thank you to our friends at Petopia, who are also part of our webcast Sunday and are featuring a big falafel bowl eating contest on parade day. Everybody has their way. There's uh, Israel, Honduras, and soccer in City Field. There's parades and concerts, the run in Central Park Sunday morning. Petopia does it with a falafel eating contest (laughs) in terms of how they show support and love for Israel. So that's what's happening Sunday. Monday on this radio program will debut, will host Ellie Gerstner and debut the brand new Hevra CD right here at JM and the AM. The Hevra is out. We feature it this coming Monday morning in the 8 o'clock hour here at JM and the AM. And I am told that we will uh, have a discussion on the topic of Tcheles Monday morning as well. Matis tells me that he is lining up a very interesting guest on a very interesting topic. If you've never heard of Tcheles, it would be good to tune in on Monday morning. If you never heard of a Canadal, <laughs> did you see that? A youngster from New York City who did not look Jewish won the uh, National Spelling Bee on the word Canadal. I thought that was hilarious. Coming up between 9 and 10 this morning, Naomi Nachman has her table for two show with a big thank you to Gourmet Glot Emporium. Guests are Dr. Alan Broner discussing his amazing product, Jack's Gourmet Sausage, and where they get their inspiration for all the delicious flavors in his brand new products line. Second guest is Howie Clagsburn of Gourmet Glot in Cedars, explaining how to keep the store well-stocked, running smoothly, and customer service being their number one priority. Naomi Nachman speaks with those two guests and hosts Table for Two every Friday morning right after JM and the AM between 9 and 10 on our stream here at jmandtheam.org. Starting at 10 o'clock, courtesy of our friends at Kedem, an amazing and incredible Erev Shabbos music stream, which today will go all the way from 10 a.m. until candlelighting Eastern Time. There is no better way to prepare for Shabbos. I keep hearing this from so many people who keep the stream on all day long on Fridays, so make sure to do the same. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Tammuz will be next Shabbos and Sunday. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach with candle lighting at 8.01. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. All right, more coming up. JM in the AM, including the weekly update. 
including Rabbi Yudin with the Torah portion and much, much more. Here's Yehuda Glantz.
just discussing with uh, Malcolm Holmline off the air some of the great leaders of 20th century, well, to some degree, 21st century, um, American jury. Do we have great leadership? To, that's a good topic. We should spend an entire Friday show just on that. Do we have effective Jewish leadership today? And I'm, I'm not referring to Malcolm specifically. We know how amazing he is, just in general, what he would say about the topic of Jewish leadership compared to decades ago. Friday morning, final day of May, it's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach, candle lighting at 8.01. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is next week. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Tammuz tomorrow. Shabbos and Sunday of next week is your Rosh Chodesh. Yoel Sharabi with Shalom Aleichem. You heard Bowie done by Yaakov Shweki from Live in Nokia. Yehuda Glanz with Shabbat Shalom. Lots of stuff going on over the weekend, especially our parade programming. We'll remind you all about that coming up. Monday, Ellie Gerstner will be here. We'll debut the brand new Chevra CD. There's a lot going on this time of year. And we'll have it all for you coming up. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. JewishWorldReview.com and its editorial board continue to strongly recommend to their readers, and they have a lot of readers, uh, that folks should be tuned into this radio broadcast every single day. Not just the broadcast, but our live stream as well, 24 hours a day. I want to thank the folks at JewishWorldReview.com and those of you who are looking for one comprehensive site with every article you can imagine regarding the world of politics, Israel, and so many other things in this world, uh, head to that website, jewishworldview.com. And again, we thank them for their strong recommendations to uh, their audience. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update Fridays at this time. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be with you. So that would be quite a topic, discussing Jewish leadership and how it compares today to 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yes, and in the different segments of the community, and frankly in the world as a whole, there are no great people. There are people who do great things, but in terms of leadership, of distinguished people, of the Gaul, Churchill, others, maybe because the moment they rose to the occasion, and they all had their flaws too, yeah. but you see that it's a universal phenomenon. Yeah, I'm a big time uh, makes the man guy. You know that big argument? That's my side of the argument usually. In your case, the microphone makes them in. That could be, and a whole bunch of other circumstances. <laughs> well, the parade is Sunday, and I never, ever waste an opportunity with Malcolm Holmline on the Friday before the Celebrate Israel Parade to encourage everybody with him on our radio broadcast that everybody should come out. And, Mr. Holmline, I don't know if you're familiar with the weather forecast for this Sunday. It's practically perfect for parade day. Absolutely, and people, you can get a tan at the same time as you do a mitzvah. You can, uh, you know, when the colloquial uh, phrase of walk the walk, this is really the time when people are called on for a few hours just to walk the walk, to be there, to be there on Fifth Avenue, to be standing, to take your children, your grandchildren, your neighbor's children, um, only legally, and be there, walk, uh, and express your solidarity the time when we see the threats around Israel that we talk about and we'll talk about today, very important that people show up. That's no, all that's asked of you. no question about it. And, uh, again, I remind everybody that uh, we'll be at the parade. Look for us at 67th Street and 5th Avenue, the Nahum Siegel Network crew. And now that we've released our brand new, brand new Android app, it gives you yet another option to tune in even 
if you're marching in the parade. What do you make of the McCain trip to the Middle East, actually meeting with Syrian opposition uh, in what was really a surprise trip to everybody, right? Well, it was a surprise in that it wasn't made public, right. but uh, it was an effort, I think, on his part to highlight the, his position, which is that we should be aiding uh, the rebels in Syria. But frankly, given uh, the developments this past week where we've seen, in fact, uh, some reversal of fortune in, in, uh, in terms of Assad's uh, troops uh, fighting back and not having Juan Cusera, as the media reported, because the rebels are, are giving them a, a real run for the money, the, and he had to send in some Syrian um, Republican Guard, which is their most elite troops to back up the Hezbollah, We'll probably have uh, between a thousand and two thousand people in that area and in homes uh, fighting, uh, and more than probably close to five thousand in Syria altogether. The, the, um, the he has been emboldened, and he gave a speech this week, which was really critical and got some notice, but not nearly what it should. And, and a parallel speech by Nasrallah, which uh, I think indicates where they that they that they feel the pressure and, and know that the, this is the time when they have to stake out positions. And, of course, both of them talk about uh, fighting Israel. Uh, uh, but uh, Assad said that he's going to stay in power till next year, which was one of the conditions uh, for the rebels to participate in the supposed peace talks or talks that were going, are, are going to be held. Uh, Assad said he will come, but he issues this declaration and said he may even run again for president hmm. uh, next time. Uh, on the McCain thing, um, it, it, does this undermine Washington at all? Meaning, we, we've gotten the impression over the last few weeks that Washington is hesitant to take a position, whether it's Assad or the rebels, when it comes to Syria. Well, yes, they have Washington's position right now is to avoid it and to... Um, so when he goes and meets of, uh, with them, the, the stalemate. And when he goes, but he goes as an individual senator, right. and he slips across the lines. He goes and meets with the, uh, some of the people there. But it comes. But you can't isolate it from the context of of uh, what has happened. And this is really a critical week in terms of uh, developments because you had the Russian uh, further debate whether they have sent S three hundred. They haven't sent the Syrians have paid eight hundred million dollars for four. S-300, which is the most advanced uh, anti-aircraft systems that the Russians have, uh, and Assad claimed there was delivery. Other, uh, Israel says there wasn't delivery yet. Uh, the debate about what will happen if they go operational, and the Russians have many ways of delaying it. Uh, that's a game-changer. Uh, uh, the visit of a senator is not a game-changer. It just highlights uh, a position and is really trying to uh, put the pressure on the uh, Obama administration to say that they have to do more to help. But that has been his position all along. I see people actually moving in the opposite direction. The more people that I talk to, um, they see the escalation. They see Hezbollah saying going to put 5,000 more uh, people in. Uh, we may be in a new phase um, of this with Hezbollah declaring all-out war and and if you listen to Nasrallah's speech, he talks about victory. He said, we're in it till the very end. You know, if you want victory, you have to go all the way. It's things we would like to hear from Western leaders uh, <laughs> about this uh, situation. Um, but, but you know, it's sort of a drop in a bucket when a, a senator goes. He, he makes a statement. It's right. for him a moral statement. But the the media has missed the uh, larger points. You know, the economy of Egypt, of Syria is 
isn't collapsed, but they're managing, and their their pound is down seventy percent. Um, and they're getting oil and gas from Iraq and Iran. They're getting new weapons. They're they're continuing to uh, to fight. He hold his hold on Damascus may in fact be expanding. Uh, the um, so you know the the larger story about where where they're headed and why Russia all of a sudden in the middle of all of this would do would go ahead and ship these weapons which they sold also to Iran and then canceled uh, and in this case looks more likely to to be to, to to actually come to some sense of fruition it doesn't mean that they'll actually activate it which for Israel poses dual dangers one that they can't operate freely in Lebanon and Syria by air and two that they feel that uh, as commercial flights to to Tel Aviv to Ben Gurion could be endangered by this. So Russia basically has uh, always, you know, wagered on Assad and now the way things are going they're simply uh, doubling and tripling their wager. It's it, yes, and it's a way to stick in the United States and I think the timing was related to the uh, European announcement that they were lifting their embargo on weapons to to the rebels meaning that they would begin to ship again to to the rebels. Right. Uh, and I think the Russians said, "Okay, you want to escalate it? We'll escalate it." And uh, I think, uh, as I said before, people look at this as rebels versus Assad. It's in fact five or six different wars going on in Syria, and yeah. one of those is the U.S. versus Russia. And, and yeah, I was just going to say it could turn into one big war. <laughs> it can. It it turns. It is in in fact one big war. But if you really dissect it, if you you know go down beyond what the headlines say, you find out that the rebels are fighting rebels. That Hezbollah is fighting. Hezbollah is facing real challenges inside Lebanon. You know, people see the bodies coming back right. in Tripoli. Have a virtual civil war going on, and, and Nasrallah is trying to stay out of that. But he is uh, certainly put wagered very heavily now on, on this uh, so, on the war inside uh, Syria. So, for those of us, and I hope it's all of us, who are very concerned about Israel's safety and security, could you assess then the Assad threat this week? He, he is he is saying what? about what he could potentially do to Israel? It's a, uh, it's a diversionary uh, threat, I think. It doesn't mean that it's hollow, because he does have missiles, he does have chemical weapons, uh, he can encourage terrorism, he can uh, has already essentially removed his troops that were guarding the Golan area from his side, and access to the Golan. Uh, we've seen periodic misfires or deliberate mortars uh, going across the border to Israel or Mount Hermon. Uh, so he can he can escalate some of the tensions along the Israeli border. He might do it to rally his own troops or to rally the people or to force the rebels to say, you got a choice, you want to fight me, do you want to fight Israel? Uh, but I, I think right now it's largely diversionary. There's not going to be any uh, all-out attack by, uh, by Syria. Uh, Israel is in a position to defend itself. They can take a toll on Israel, but right. nothing more than that. And I've asked you this over the last couple of weeks: Would you would would you call the Israel Syria border? Would you refer to it as quiet right now? Would that by be? and large quiet? Israel obviously has bolstered its position. We have, they move Patriots and um, they move the Iron Dome uh, battery into the north. So I would say essentially quiet, uh, but not to be taken for granted. We saw this week that the, the past week that Hezbollah. Uh, stole several UN armored uh, vehicles, which are, are very uh, valuable, and they're they're hard to penetrate uh, militarily. And uh, you know, threatening the UN troops, we're seeing them move to remove the UN troops that bar, uh, guarded the border with Israel. 
also looking to see whether they try the same thing now in the Sinai with the uh, monitoring force that's been there. Uh, but the, um, uh, you know, the, the escalation is there. People are also challenging for the first time that I've seen, you know, Hezbollah's 30 years of history saying that they've essentially been an Iranian battalion in the region. Um, and so the sectarian divides are much greater, Sunni, Shiite, etc. Those things are growing. And that diverts them away from Israel. To unify them, they they bring up Israel in, in the speeches, talks about this being the war being an Israeli war. The, uh, Assad never accepted, at least publicly, that this was in fact an internal civil war. And, but we see opposition groups in Iran, and you just I assume you're referring to Lebanon when you talk about Hezbollah. I mean, outside of this Syrian opposition, it never, unless the media doesn't tell us you know, all that's happening, it doesn't seem like these opposition groups are having much effect. Well, in, in Lebanon itself, the Nasrallah continues to, the, and Hezbollah has control, but over uh, lesser areas because their manpower is being diverted. You know, their troops, these uh, 5,000, 4,500 troops in Syria represent a good part of, of Hezbollah's fighting force. Uh, and with the uh, sectarian divide, right now Alawites fighting Sunnis, for instance, in Tripoli, uh, with hundreds being killed, the cross-border fights, and many people anticipating that at some point this will end up being Hezbollah versus al-Nusra versus al-Qaeda uh, of the Levant. That's why I say there are so many layers to this onion that as you peel off one, you find you know five more layers and, and uh, more and more complications. Uh, as you go. What do you think of James Comey becoming FBI director? Well, it's not clear that, that uh, it's finalized. It's, it is the report, but the White House has not confirmed it. Um, uh, and we'll, we'll see. Oh, so FBI outs- is a very important agency. And one of the things I hope is that the FBI will do more to cooperate with local law enforcement. That if we don't have more information sharing, if we don't have more cooperation, then we make ourselves much more vulnerable. And you have really great resources like the NYPD. You have uh, DAs in New York or you have around the country. And it's something I hear wherever I go about from law enforcement that there isn't the kind of information-sharing cooperation that might help prevent uh, or, in, in fact, uh, or address the dangers that we face internally. i got to ask you something about that. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmnan.org. A big thank you to our friends at jewishworldview.com who continue to encourage their many, many, many readers to stick with our stream and our radio program all through the day, the morning and day, I should say. Thank you, JewishWorldview.com. And also a reminder, we'll be on the parade route this coming Sunday. Uh, Mark Zomick and Miriam L. Wallach will be hosting our parade show, 67th Street, 5th Avenue, up the parade route on what's going to be a big celebration day with so many things going on uh, this coming Sunday in New York City. Weather looks like it'll be great. Make sure to come on out and enjoy. And a very special good morning and thank you to our friends at J Drugs in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and our friends at Petopia. In Manhattan. You know, earlier this week we were at the uh, mayoral forum and uh, you just mentioned the NYPD and the FBI working closely with agencies like them because of their expertise in the area of law enforcement and uh, anti-terrorism. And the question was asked of the candidates about surveillance of 
Islamic mosques. And I am curious, especially with with it being such a sensitive issue in the Jewish community, because, of course, who more than us wants everyone to enjoy the rights that they deserve in this country, yet again, yet, yet, yet at the same time, we are so concerned about terrorism and plots in this area and everywhere else. So what would you say when someone asks you about the validity of surveillance of Islamic mosques in New York? As you said, it's a very sensitive subject, and we we recognize the rights of religious freedom. At the same time, we know that there are imams who are preaching incitement. There are uh, religious institutions being uh, abused. We know that uh, schools are are engaged in educating kids in hatred that uh, often an inspired uh, young person goes then and carries out these outrages. Uh, so there has to be a balance, and that's why we, we should have the system of checks and balances where judges order it or other, uh, some, uh, control to keep people from just going on fishing expeditions. But, uh, uh frankly, we know that, that a lot of the sort where, where a lot of these acts are coming from, it doesn't mean you condemn whole community and certainly not suspect every individual. Right. But you know that last night, uh, there was a sentencing of, a, of an Iranian to 25 years in prison for the attempted murder of the ambassador of Saudi Arabia in Washington. It gets so little notice. All of the cases that are going on, and, you know, it, it seems either there's a lack of interest or political correctness limits their ability to do it. You can't talk. Uh, uh, many people contend you can't talk freely about the, a, a lot of these issues. Uh, I think that there has to be uh, controls over it. There has to be some some uh, sense, common sense uh, applied. But you can't make this today in an age when we're fighting the kind of, of war that we are with terrorism, which can operate out of so many different sources. Yesterday I met with representatives of the tobacco industry and law enforcement because of cigarette smuggling, an issue I talked about on the show maybe 10 years ago. And, uh, in fact, some of the people I'd heard of that I spoke about it, and that's why they came. You don't know how, <clears throat> I'm sorry, how big this is. That for this latest incident of the smuggling from Virginia to New York is attributed to Hamas. Hezbollah raises more than a billion dollars a year. It's so hard States. to believe. And, Unbelievable. And around the world, many billions of dollars. And the Can- it's the Canadian border, the Mexican border. They're so porous. The Indians, the uh, First Nation on the Canadian side, and, and Indians in upstate New York, uh, who are uh, involved in this, uh, in, at times in this illegal smuggling uh, operations in Mexico, where they go into the legitimate distributors and say, you have a choice. You want to live or you give us your business. So what's law enforcement's response? So now these, it's actually private industry taking the lead in in uh, pushing this. And members of Congress, I know, have called hearings and who are uh, very upset. And and you know that these illegal cigarettes are often carrying, often made up of uh, not tobacco, but uh, I mean carcinogens and other things. Tobacco is also, but the but I'm talking about um, with feces with all sorts of things in there, and it kills people. In addition, they're making now with generic drugs. They're smuggling drugs across borders, and often these drugs are not real, but they carry the names. They're they're you know counterfeit. It's huge, and if you don't have a coordinated international effort, but certainly a national effort, and we we don't root this out, and that there've been repeated arrests of guys running, the, it costs New York State hundreds of millions of dollars in lost tax revenue. It costs 
the, the United States nationally, as I said, even more. And the private businesses. And then think of this money is flowing into Hezbollah's right. coffers. It involves narco-terrorism, the purchase of weapons, and many other things. Talk about having an unlimited budget for terrorism. Exactly. Um, and, and the other thing I wanted to mention, and not that this is such a big revelation, I'm sure others have thought of this, but again, uh, uh, just watching the candidates this week, the, the Giuliani... Bloomberg Kelly era is about to end. Obviously, I, I don't know if New York and, and we know how the NYPD and New York City law enforcement, no matter what you say, is at the helm of anti-terrorism in this country. I mean, you've said it a million times, and 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 therefore this is not just a a local issue, so to speak. You know, whoever is leading New York is going to have tremendous influence when it comes to this very important you know safety and security issue in our country. And and I think we're we're facing and and you know we encourage voter registration involvement evaluation of the candidates etc. But we are facing a very big transition that I think is larger than people think. Look, I think it's very important that people attend these mayoral forums and ask the candidates about their positions on these issues. I mean, the the retaining of Kelly, which I, I hope is going to be possible. Right. Uh, I don't know who could take his place and give the same kind of leadership, uh, but. I mean, the candidates have to be put on the spot about how they're going to deal with economic crime, how they're going to deal with the threat of terrorism, how they're going to deal with these issues. I mean, they all come out about stop and frisk, and it's controversial. I understand that you can have different positions, but that is not what uh, crime control and, and counterterrorism is about. It is about the networks that have been established, about the capacity that we have, uh, the work of the DAs, how we strengthen them, and, the, and many of them are doing remarkable things. Uh, I saw Cy Vance, I know Joe Hines, others. Are, are devoting resources to this kind of effort. But I know there's a, a, a mayoral forum this week, coming week in Flatbush, that was, in, in the, I think, on the West Side and other places. People have to go, and you have to press the candidates, get them commitment, let them understand. Our communities suffer from, from quality of life crimes, which get very little attention. They suffer from, uh, in a greater sense, uh, we are a very vulnerable community to the kind of terrorism and, and the threats of terror, and we want to know how the mayors are going to allocate resources and make sure that this battle continues. Oh, no question about it. Well said. Secretary of State John Kerry said last Sunday he believes a plan potentially worth $4 billion is emerging that could expand the Palestinian economy by up to 50% in the next three years, could also cut unemployment by almost two-thirds, and average wages could jump 40%. Kerry said it all depends on parallel progress on peace between Israel and the Palestinians. Is the Secretary of State being unrealistic? Well, I think Abbas has already uh, proved the uh, the distance from reality of the proposal. The proposal was meant to be an inducement to get Abbas to the table to address the economic uh, conditions. It would impact Jordan, would impact Israel. Uh, it, you know, it's not $4 billion in one time, but Essentially, the Palestinian Authority has said, we want the money, but not peace, that we're ready to, <laughs> to take the money, but we're not going to give you anything. And, and they called it a bribe to get us to sell out. And the, the uh, even Sippy Livni, the Minister of Justice, who's in charge of the negotiations, said she doubts that Abbas is a partner. She said that his, he has no legitimacy in the West Bank, or questionable legitimacy, and no authority in, in Gaza. So how is he negotiating and, and expressed her frustration with what he's doing, and he's doing exactly what he's always done. And the, the uh, Secretary of State would have to mobilize these $4 billion in, in investment money. It's not just coming from the U.S., uh, and he assigned uh, Tony Blair, or asked Tony Blair to come up with the plan. He's the Middle East envoy for the EU. Um, 
look, the situation certainly warrants it, but as everybody said, you need reforms, political reforms, economic reforms in PA if it's going to work. You know, they're getting rid of Fayad, the one guy who was doing anything to try and have transparency. Uh, so I think that this is unfortunately dead in the water. Oh, boy. Uh, surprise, surprise, as they say. The um, a U.S. drone that took out the uh, Pakistan Taliban number 2 man, as he's described, uh, how significant or how much of a leader in Taliban was this one? I mean, he was a very significant uh, uh, person in the in the campaign. And, you know, they, the truth is that they're not able to replace uh, leaders. That, you know, it's funny you up. say that. I was thinking the opposite, that these guys are recycled constantly. and that the same, you don't have them at the same quality. You don't have so the new, num- the new number two is not close to the old number two? It, it, the point is that they don't have the command and they don't have the uh, able to draw all the... And, you, and each time you put somebody new in, it means they have new enemies, they have new... It introduces new divisions within. Uh, it doesn't mean they can't be replaced. You're right. But the question is, do you have the same kind of leadership that uh, Osama bin Laden represented was not the day-to-day leader, in fact, as he was often painted, but he was a rallying call, he was a, a public face to it, and his absence does make a difference. And, and remembering that al-Qaeda is divided, it's not one operation, it's many operations. Right. So having uh, leaders, individuals who are proven both in the battlefield, so they have to have had been involved, which gives them credibility, as it does in the PA and other places. You know, those with blood in their hands have special standing. And we saw this week how the PA promoted and gave one of the guys who carried out the, the coastal attack uh, became an aide to, to Arafat and uh, to Abbas, and uh, that Abbas refuses to condemn the, the statements that, that guys who hold official positions, the incitement continues, etc. Um, but the lack of strong leadership, even symbolic leadership, uh, Abbas does not have the standing that Arafat has. So their absence does make a difference. Right, yeah, I understand that. Um, well, the the most recent decision in Israel regarding the draft, uh, is there overreaction from the uh, yeshiva side on this, the, um, uh, the four-year... Um, a window that's being given in terms of criminalization for avoiding the draft, the the years and the uh, uh, really just the uh, the category that it's being put in in terms of somebody who avoids the draft. I think that uh, I hope that they will come together and come up with plans that keep uh, Israel united, that doesn't create uh, divisiveness, uh, that the uh, people live up to their responsibilities. It's not one sector who is responsible for the defense or for the security. Everybody's responsible, but there has to be uh, an open-mindedness and a, and a willingness that they demand of the other side. Uh, you know that everybody says that the she world has to be more open-minded, etc. But the other side also has to be open-minded to hearing the concerns and the issues. You can't use all these people in the army anyway. There are ways, I think, to resolve it. I think. The burden has to be, you know, everybody's, but let's hope cooler minds prevail. And yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I still think that there are solutions that are possible. I, I still think, but before you get to the solutions, I think that the impression of those who are, you know, on the outside looking in, especially those of us who live 6,000 miles away, is that there's there's just a hesitation to get to a negotiating table, that, that cooler heads are not prevailing in terms of sitting down and discussing this rationally. Because it's so politicized, and because people, you know, make their careers on this right now, 
and because in Israel it's become such a serious issue, and it's overwhelmingly on the other, you know that the population of Israel wants to see these these measures uh, enacted. Um, so for political people, this is a you know there's a lot of grandstanding. And there's a lot of I think sincere com- uh, statements and positions that people hold. And as you said, I hope that people put aside the politics, put aside this, and say, how do we remain one country, one state, one people? and share responsibilities and people can do you know the, the national service so many other things that can be introduced that will help and, and help put people to work who are not going to go into the army or you know because the army can't take them or whatever but uh, no longer remain on the dole it, it's very complicated it's not an issue thank god i i, I we deal with it in the conference but hmm. i'm I, th- I share your concern i think it can be it can rend the people apart um, last week you were telling us about the Iranian election. I believe we're two weeks away at this point. June 14th. Uh, so it, 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 what does it look like there? Is it like a real campaign like we're used to here before the first week in November? Like what happens in the last couple of weeks in Iran? I'm just <laughs> yeah, curious. They do campaign, but you have six candidates, and the only one who will win is the one that Khomeini chooses. <laughs> they had 680 candidates, and the uh, guidance council appointed by Khamenei, dominated by Khamenei, pick six, uh, who will end up in the race. The guy who's uh, far ahead, as I uh, said a couple weeks ago, would be Jalili, and right now it shows that that's who Khamenei is backing. He's the guy who was the negotiator with the International Atomic Energy Agency. He's uh, slavishly committed to the ideology of Khamenei. He is uh, not considered too bright. He's a guy who who diddled the West for all, in all of those negotiations. He's a hardliner. Uh, Khamenei is not going to have any other grandstanders that he doesn't control, like Ahmadinejad, mm. who will disappear from the scene at least for now. Uh, his candidate. So less threats to out. less threats to Israel and less denials of the Holocaust are coming up from the new uh, the new uh, president. You'd have We've to. seen some, well, not from Jalili, but from some of the people where they're saying that this is not you know not doesn't help us, etc. Um, but um, you know we're coming to some to this in the next months. I mean, the president of Iran is going to be the one now who who will not run the country. It's Khomeini, but certainly will be the face as we face perhaps deadlines. And I hope that the West won't say, "Well, we have a new president." As they might have, if Rafshanjani, for instance, had been elected, right. they might have said, "You know, we got to give him a chance, give him a break. You know, hold off. They'll do." Now they see that there's no chance that there's going to be any change. You know, we see in Argentina the agreement that they reached, but the state prosecutor, Nisman, who carried out the investigation of this, says that the attack this week, uh, Iran, in a 500-page document where he talks about their terror installations in Argentina, in Brazil, Paraguay, uh, Venezuela, Colombia, Guyana, many other countries, um, that we see Iran's continue aggression, etc., so people can focus on an election, but the bottom line is it's essentially irrelevant. Right. Um, the uh, it, the the Iranian threat against Israel, as you know, as common as it is, uh, is it going to? I don't know. Is it going to uh, lessen at all with the new administration? I'll tell you what I have in mind. I read the New York Times uh, Week in Review article this past Sunday, which I found intriguing about how life goes on in Israel. You know, despite all the threats from around them, I'm, I'm sure you've seen articles like that a million times. Yet Israel this week did have some type of siren alert. Am I correct that there was some type of practice or 
a rehearsal? Yes. You, you, well, there were two, actually. There was one for chemical weapons and in the hospitals, et cetera, at other places. And there was one, a nationwide drill on uh, missile defense. And it was in two parts. One, when people would be home, and one earlier in the day uh, for businesses. And, the you know, it is preventative measure It's so that Israel is prepared. And as the prime minister said, they have the greatest infrastructure, uh, homeland defense in- infrastructure probably in the world. Uh, but they have to be prepared for any eventuality. It's not because something is is scheduled to happen right now. Uh, I think that the, the likelihood of, of chemical weapons being used is is, uh, is there, but it's not it's not elevated in any way. And I think uh, the, the defense minister was the one who commented this week and said there's no indication of movement of the chemical weapons or any danger of them being used right now against Israel. But certainly. As we talked about earlier, and one of the implications of the deterioration in this situation is that people will move to more radical things. One of the things that Assad can do is by focusing on Israel in the hope of, of unifying or, or diverting attention or because Iran needs it or because Hezbollah you know, uh, needs it for its purposes. So Israel has to be prepared, and I think these, these measures are, are really significant. So drills in Israel never means that something is imminent. It means that they have to be constantly on alert and constantly prepared, which is how you avoid more casualties. One of the one of our listeners, by the way, uh, emailed us and says, Syria versus the rebels, as Begin said about the Iran-Iraq war, I wish them both much success. <laughs> now tell me, uh, Malcolm, is it a real quote from Begin or not? Uh, I <laughs> you don't think, know, maybe you think he really... Well, but it, it doesn't matter, it's right. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I could give you a couple other scenarios where... We would hope both sides would win or both sides would lose, depending upon how, uh, your perspective. But, listen, it, it, it is true right now. A standoff might be the best position. Right, and could last a long take. time. But a lot of people are getting killed. But I guess in Iran and Iraq, also a lot of people were getting killed well, at that many time. Many people were killed in the war. Yeah. People are being killed all over the Middle East at the hands of Muslim Brotherhood, at the hands of other um, you know, terrorist outrages. And uh, obviously we want to see the killing stop. We've said this from the very beginning and uh, look at it with great concern because it is important to notice it and to to take steps why the eu now moving to to designate whatever they call this military wing of hezbollah is so important but when you have russia fighting the united states when you have the divisions within the west and those who are supposedly supportive of the of these groups when you uh, all of these um, overlays you see why there's no good outcome. There's not one rebel group that you can point to and say, these are the guys we would like to see take over. That the Free Syrian Army is in uh, free-for-all, some people say, and that you know, they're, they're fighting each other often, and that the guys outside have nothing to do with the guys who are on the front lines inside. It's a mess, and, the, the, and there's no simple solution. But I'll tell you, and again, I know, I know to a degree you agree with this, the me- one of the messes in all of this is that the American position is so unclear. And I and I think as time goes by, that's only going to be to the detriment of the U.S. And the the fact that the West loses credibility, the right? US loses credibility. I mean, Russia has made it clear what side they're on. And and they say, you know, we know that afterwards the Syrian people hate us, etc. So, <clears throat> what Putin? One of Putin's arguments is that at least he shows he's consistent, that he's a friend, right. By his allies, and he's right, etc. And the, in in the Middle East today, the fact is that the West has no credibility. The, the only place that has credibility, frankly, is Israel. Yeah. And they're all praying that Israel will will take a lead, will do what what's uh, 
what's necessary to, to be done. But Israel, you know, faces incredible burdens, including, you know, the financial burden, which is why a lot of the cuts and a lot of the things that people uh, talk about are are so necessary because Israel's economic health and vitality is critical to its security. All right, we'll see you on Fifth Avenue on Sunday. Parsha Shlach, Malcolm. Everyone should pay careful attention, right? Absolutely. <laughs> the message is very clear. Those who stand with Israel, remember it forever. Oh, no question about it. They certainly last forever. Uh, Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday morning at 20 minutes after 8 o'clock on this Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach. Candle lighting at 8.01. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh, Shabbos and Sunday of next week is Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. Shabbos next week and Sunday Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. We'll go through the whole schedule regarding our amazing uh, programming on the stream today and uh, tomorrow night and Sunday at the parade. We'll do all of that coming up first, uh, this time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parsha Shlach. Parsha Shlach contains, according to the Chinuch, three mitzvos. It contains the mitzvah of Chala, that of Tzitzis, and finally the mitzvah of Losasuru. A person should not go after their wrong and swaying negative intentions and that which he sees which is as you can say a kind of contrast the end of the parsha losa suru don't go after that which a person is attracted to and if it's negative the beginning of the parsha which is that the maraglim were chosen and given the responsibility of the asuru they should go and spy out the land of which the first half of the parasha contains the very tragic incident of the miraglim of the spies the twelve men who were sent to spy out the land and the spying out of the land in of itself could be understood because we as the Ramban taught us in last week's parasha of Baaloscha when Moshe invites Yisro that he should serve as he will be a kind of scout. Why do we need a scout? We have the Ananei Kavod. We have and the Anan of Hashem upon us. The answer is because we always try to do things within a natural way and therefore one could perhaps even understand that before we go into the land which we, were, which we were about to do we would send scouts spies because this is what all peoples would do unfortunately when the spies came back and ten of the twelve brought with them a negative report that we will not be able to overcome them and conquer the land and the people listened to the ten 
evil spies and not to Kolev and Yehoshua as a result of this unfortunately the destiny of our people was turned around Yom Lashana Yom Lashana for every day that the spies were in the land of Israel we were punished by spending another year in the desert and so 40 years we are to spend in the desert and it's only the children of that generation that was to enter Eretz Israel. I'd like to ask a very interesting question the Gemara in Brachos Chaf Aleph Amid Beis 21b teaches us the principle that those prayers which are categorized as a something of holiness it is required that we have a quorum a minion of ten to recite these prayers such as Baruchu, Kaddish, Kedusha now what is the source for this halacha? So, interestingly, of all the places, the Talmud teaches us that we learn it out from this week's parsha, from the Meraglim. How so? And the Gemara utilizes the technique called the Gzeira Shava. Every morning, we recite at the conclusion of the Korbano section, Rabbi Shmuel taught that there are 13 ways in which our rabbis were charged to elucidate, clarify Torah. And the first one is a Kalvachomer, the second one is a Gzeroshava. Gzeroshava is a common phraseology found in more in two different places. So if one had a tradition from their teacher going back to Moshe, then this became the accepted law, and the law of one applies to another. And therefore, we begin with a pasuk that's familiar to us, part of the Kriyasa Torah, in Parshas Emor, from the Chagim, the Moadim. The pasuk says, V'niktashti b'soch b'nei Yisrael The end of chapter 22 in Vayikra 22.32 The Pasuk says And I shall be sanctified b'soch among the children of Israel The Gemara then tells us that the word b'soch is found in next week's parsha of Korach whereby Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron Hibadlu mitoch ha'edohazos separate yourselves from among this congregation okay and just as over there in the case of Korach there were at least and there was more than ten so too over here the word toch and there he tells me ten says the Gemara wait a minute how do I know that an Ada that the term congregation is with ten so the Talmud in Megillah 
23b has another Gzeira Shava, and it takes me to Parshas Shlach, this week's Parsha, where the Torah says at the beginning of Revi'i, and this is chapter 14, Pasuk 27, Ad Ada Hara Hazos, the ten evil spies are called an Ada, an assembly, and finally the in Korach as well we have Ibadlu Mitocha Ada. So interestingly, of all the places in the Torah, why is it that the rabbis utilize the Miraglim, the spies, as a source for this teaching that to sanctify God, you require a minion. I'd like to suggest an answer based upon the teachings of Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, Zechat Tzadik Levracha, in his Sefer, Emes Liyakov, whereby he raises a very challenging Gemara. The Gemara in Sanhedrin 96b teaches that Mibnei Banav Shel Sancheirev the progeny the descendants of Sancheirev they he was the evil general who came to attack Yerushalayim and because, thank God, he procrastinated and said, well, my goodness, looking at Yerushalayim, he saw it to be what he considered so small and insignificant. So he said to his incredibly large army, he said, fellas, take the night off and will attack tomorrow. And that night, what happened? The entire army was wiped out. So from this general, Sancheirev, his descendants, says the Gemara, Limdu Torah Berabim. His descendants taught Torah publicly. And who were they? Shmaya and Avtalion. And the Gemara goes on to tell us that Mibnei Banav Shel Haman, literally the descendants of Haman Harasha, Limdu Torah Bibnei Brak, they taught Torah in Bnei Brak. Now, obviously the Gemara is saying Hashem has some sense of humor that Haman, who tried to wipe out the entire Jewish people, his descendants convert and teach Torah. What's going on here? So Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky gives the following interesting, insightful answer. He says as follows, there's no question that Haman wanted to do only bad. And therefore, he was punished appropriately, as we say in the Alanisim on Purim, that Vesolu Oso Vyesbonov Alo Eitz. He and his sons were hung on the tree. However, the Gemara in Megillah 14a teaches us that when Achashverosh took off his ring and gave it to Haman, his signet ring, to say he approves and will make into law that Haman has the right to, God forbid, annihilate the Jewish people. The Gemara says that this act was Gedola, was greater than that which the 48 
prophets and the seven prophetesses that the Jewish people had in terms of bringing the Jewish people back to Mutav, to bring them to righteousness, to return them to God. In other words, because of the terrible decree that was potentially upon the Jewish nation, this woke them up. This brought them back to God. And for waking up the Jewish people, and for bringing them closer to God, on some level, Haman deserved a reward for this. So while he himself was killed, the reward was given to him by the fact that his great-great-grandchildren converted and learned Torah. Now this concept basically is one which is so significant. Therefore, regarding the Maraglim, the Maraglim as well, they meant bad, the Torah says, they spoke badly about Eretz Yisrael. David Melech in Tilim says, There's no question that they sinned a terrible sin. However, number one, as a result of their sin, immediately the Jewish people saw God's hand, his punishment, the magifa, the plague that these ten men experience. And perhaps you can even argue that the good that the rest of the Jewish people, while they were in the desert, the Dordea, they were able to be and study under Moshe, and they built up their emuna. but still, because they meant bad, they were punished. But this idea goes to show us that Hashem takes everything into consideration. Every act that we do, the good and the other. And everything that we do has consequences. And I'll share with you a very interesting point. The Gemara in Chelek, the last chapter of Sanhedrin, has a machlokes regarding Manasseh, the terrible king who unfortunately proliferated idolatry throughout the land. So the Gemara has a machlokas as to whether or not the Mishnah says that Menashe is one of those kings that doesn't have a share in the world to come. And the Gemara cites a pasuk from Malachim Beis to substantiate this idea. This is in the Gemara Sanhedrin 102b that he is compared to Achav. And just as Achav of, has no share in the world to come, so too does Menashe have no share in the world to come. And the Gemara then cites an opposing view, that of Rabbi Yehuda, who says that Menashe does have a share in the world to come. And they base it on a Pasuk in Divrei Hayamim, chap, uh, Book 2, Chapter 33. So, interestingly, there's a Sefer called Toldos Yoshua on Avos by Yoshua Heller. And he quotes there the Mari Abuhab, who says, Listen carefully, both Gemaras are right. How could that be? The Gemara that quotes the Pasuk of Melachim, the Book of Kings. The Book of Kings was written by Chizkiyahu. This was at the time of 
Bayis Rishon. At the time of Bayis Rishon, there was Avodazara, and therefore Menashe's Tshuva was not accepted at that time. Why? Because he was a chote emachti. Not only did he sin, but he caused others to sin. And the negative effect, the ripple effect of what he had done was felt throughout that time. However, the second passage, the that of Divrei Hayamim, that was written by Ezra. And when Ezra came back, together with Anshei Knesset HaGadolah, they prayed to Hashem to remove idolatry. Ah, so the negative effect of Menashe ended, and therefore there was room for Hashem to accept Menashe's tshuva at that later time. What emerges from this is that it is so delicate. He, Hashem, scrutinizes every action of what we do. The good of it and the other part of it. And therefore, we are to learn from the Miraglim. And true, even though some good did did come out, from that which the Maraglim, you know, did, and perhaps that might be a justification for learning from the Maraglim, the bigger lesson that emerges is how careful each and every one of us must be with our actions, because we have to learn that all of our actions have consequences. Masei Yodai Lahispoer, the Navi charges us to be ambassadors for God. Everybody looks at to how we act, Jews and non-Jews alike. May we, please God, be privileged to rise to the occasion and to live a life of Kiddush Hashem. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. <clears throat> Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Uh, more coming up on our stream today after J.M. the A.M. ends at 9 a.m. Between 9 and 10, Naomi Nachman presents her weekly Table for Two program. That is going to be on uh, later this morning, between 9 and 10 uh, Eastern Time. Naomi today is going to feature a couple of guests, the uh, head of Jack's Gourmet, which continues to come out with uh, a <laughs> whole variety of flavors on a regular basis for their meat products. Uh, so she will speak with uh, with him at uh, Alan, Dr. Alan Bronner with Jack's Gourmet Sausage. And uh, Howie Clagsburn of Gourmet Glotten Cedarhurst will explain how the store is well-stocked, runs smoothly, and customer service is their number one priority. That's between 9 and 10 this morning on our stream at jmtheam.org. All day long, courtesy of our friends at Kedem, we have an amazing stream of Arab Shabbos selections. We continue to hear from so many people who just put the stream on and let it roll all day long in preparation for Shabbos. It'll go until candlelighting Eastern time, so take advantage. Tomorrow night, Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami starting at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Matis hits the airwaves at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday with JM Sunday. We'll continue. Avrami's actually going to be doing a pre-parade show and then the parade show at 11.30 in the morning with Miriam Al-Wallach and Mark Zamek with a big thank you to Ronnie and, La- and uh, Larry Birnbaum of J Drugs in Brooklyn, New York, who again are presenting our parade broadcast. A thanks going out to Petopia of Manhattan, who are sponsoring the big falafel bowl eating contest on Sunday. <laughs> it's a big day Sunday. Good luck to those who are running. Good luck to the Israel soccer team at City Field. We'll see everyone at the parade, and then later in the afternoon at the band show, we'll see you at the Lipa Idan concert. Idan was with us yesterday. If you missed any of it, you can uh, check out the archive section of jmtheam.org. He appeared on yesterday's JM in the AM. Fourth annual book event sponsored by the Men's Club and Sisterhood Book Club of Congregation Avas Achamadeh, Jacob and David, and Or Torah in West Orange, New Jersey, discusses uh, Rabbi Yisrael Mayer Lau's book, Out of the Depths, this coming Sunday at 8 p.m. at Ortora in West Orange. Information, speak with Elaine at 973-669-0938. 973-669-0938 for information on that. That is happening on uh, Sunday. Hey, I'm told that Ruthie and Chazen Shim Kramer are being honored by the Riverdale Jewish Center at the 59th anniversary dinner this coming Sunday night at 6 p.m. Mazal Tov. Mazal Tov to uh, Daniel Hammerman, Cheryl and Josh Dubin. All are being recognized as coming Sunday night. RJCDinner.org. RJCDinner.org for information. Mazal Tov going out to Moshe Menashe Saflis. His bar mitzvah coming up Shabbos. To Esther and Rabbi Yitzchak Saflis, a very special Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Reminder that Devorah Leitner speaks on the topic of direction uh, this coming Wednesday morning, the 5th of June at Shari Zion, 10.30 in the morning on Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn, New York. You could check that out. Devorah Leitner speaks Wednesday at 10.30 in the morning at Shari Zion in Brooklyn, New York. And I got this Mazel Tov note, a Mazel Tov going out to Elisheva and Dove Goldstein on their first anniversary. And please send my best to your sister Talia. That is uh, Elisheva and Dove Goldstein. We say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM.
where are we heading? We're heading to some, uh, oh, before we go to uh, the next selection, I do want to remind everybody that the Usla Rosenblatt 80th Anniversary Yardside event is this coming Sunday night in Borough Park, Brooklyn, at the Sephardic Shashul. Go to kingofcanters.org for information, kingofcanters.org. And a reminder that Monday morning, Ellie Gerstner is in studio we debut the brand new Hevra CD. That's right. Monday morning, the brand new Hevra CD gets debuted here at JM in the AM. Make sure you're tuned in.
That's, of course, a Shabbat in Liverpool, the one, the only, uh, Lenny Solomon and Yom Zemachubad. Uh, before that, Aaron Razel with Yom Shabbat. Son David Dardashti was in there with Shalom Aleichem. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Keep, uh, keep uh, Pay careful attention to the Facebook update page and the uh, Twitter handles during the um, weekend, this Celebrate Israel weekend. We'll try to tweet and to Facebook as much as possible, update everybody what's happening. On Facebook, the uh, the update page is Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel. On Twitter, either at Told Jewish Radio or at Nachum Siegel Net. Candle lighting at 8.01. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha Shlach Mazel Tov. We did, we, I want to wish a Mazel Tov to Rabbi Yoshua Fass. He was... Um, 
recognized by Yeshiva University with an honorary degree yesterday. We usually have him on the week of Parsha Shlach, but because he was so busy this week, we weren't able to. But we wish him a very special Mazel Tov, great recognition for a wonderful Jewish hero. Time to take a Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Special blessing. 
Rabbeinu Yisrael and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Wraps up a great week for us here at JM and the AM. Make sure to be tuned in all weekend long. It starts now with Naomi Nachman and Table for Two on the stream at jmtheam.org. All day long with our amazing Arab Shabbos music mix. Tomorrow night with Avrami on Saturday Night Seagull. Bright and early Sunday morning with Matis on JM Sunday. All through today, Sunday, including our amazing parade show, Miriam L. Wallach and Mark Zamek will be hosting starting at 11.30 Eastern Time with the sounds of Fifth Avenue as we celebrate Israel. And don't forget Monday when we debut the brand new Hevra CD all here at JM in the AM. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Till uh, See you at the parade. And until uh, next week, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.